cut lemons, and I had, and I normally don't get uh, anything to eat in the morning, so I was cutting lemons or whatever, and I was like, man, I'm starting to feel funky. And I was like, am I getting lightheaded? I think I'm getting lightheaded. And I was like freaking myself out, so I like went over and sat down, and I was like, I told my boss, I was like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I'm not feeling real good, and uh, I couldn't figure out what it was. So anyway, I, I took my, like, I took off my, like, big shirt, took, I just had a t-shirt, like, an undershirt on. I just sat there for a minute and calmed down, and I guess I just didn't eat or whatever. I ended up eating and drinking some water, just too jacked up on coffee. Because normally I don't eat until, I try to not eat until like noon or one o'clock. Right. You know? But anyway, I say all that to say that I was like, maybe it was the hot coffee. You know? I've been doing a lot of iced coffee, and I was like, I haven't had any issues. You know? It was getting yeah. cold. I was like, let's go to hot. Right. And, uh, for whatever maybe reason. Maybe the heat can, like, save your stomach or something. I don't know. But I was fine. Once I sat down and I like got my blood sugar, I think it could have been my blood sugar or something. Maybe drink, like, drink a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. I have not been uh, been doing good on that aspect for the last week or so, I would say. Where do you work at? Uh, ML Rose on 8th Avenue. The oh, yeah, one. I've been there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been there a long time, man. They're, nice. they're good people. And I've been there long enough where I have a schedule that really helps musically. So like... <clears throat> I don't have to work the weekends, and it's so we can schedule shows out of town down the road so we don't have to ever worry about getting days off or whatever like that, you know, and they've really been helpful to me throughout, you know, the whole musical journey. And they're good people, and the money's stayed consistent, the regulars are great, you know, like, yeah. I mean, there's so many people I know, and they come in, I know what they're probably going to have the drink and order already, you know. Ooh. I can't get all the names sometimes, but that's all right, you can... Nice. You can fake your way through. They that. love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. It's been a good place for me. And it's close to the house, you know. I, don't, I go. I take a little neighborhood road back there, and I'm there immediately. Nice. So it's it's good. You live over there by Belmont. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over by Belmont. I've been there almost like five years now. I lived on the West End when I first moved here, Lauderdale Avenue, over oh, by the, uh, McCabe, and um, that was right when I got back from Florida, or when I moved from Florida. Uh, I was in Florida for like six months. Oh, okay. Before I moved there. And then, and I was in Mobile before that. But yeah. So yeah, it's been, I don't know why I got off that tangent. But no worries. Uh, have we started? Yeah, it's oh, okay. started, but okay. I, that's what, No, that's good. I just wanted to double we check. We just have conversations beforehand. <laughs> right now, I'll do the intro. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Nashville Artist Podcast. I'm Jordan, and today, Kurt Ford is here. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, man. Thank you for yeah. being here. This is great. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate you having me, man. A nice rainy day. This is a perfect day for thinking and uh, perusing on thoughts. You know, you got the, you. Sh- I don't. I don't know how many people mentioned it, but you showed me that awesome thing of your mo- of your grandmother that just like blew me away. Yeah. Just the detail and love put into that thing is like, very, it's overwhelming. It's like maybe one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It's powerful. I mean, and then when you hold it, you're like. Yeah, I, it was like I'm kind of. It was like in the same way I was scared to touch it, like yeah. a, like a big like. It's not the same way like if you were to walk into a church, you wouldn't want to touch the Bible sitting on the altar. You know what I mean? And it's like that kind of had the same feel to it. I was like, oh shit, this is like, there's a lot this deep, you know? Yeah. And I and I said to you, I'll say it again on for for the record, sure. That and I know it probably means the world to you now, but I would just imagine. I can't even imagine what it's gonna feel like to have that when you're an old man. You oh know, goodness, and like that deep rootedness of like, that's like, I don't know, that's powerful shit, man. And then pass it on to hopefully children right. one day. Right, absolutely. And just, 
And like, because you said that she had to get it out of like the bank or the safe or whatever. And it's like yeah, well, that is definitely something you would keep like hidden away. You know, it's been yeah, it's been sitting in the safety deposit box of the bank since 1994. Wow, that's that's neat, man. And then she got it out in 2017 when I moved here. Wow, that's neat, man. I'm really glad. I'm, I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. That was pretty neat. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't even you know I had no idea about it until my mom. Really? Yeah. Wow. She was like, that's even heavier. Yeah. That's not even something you could like build up. Right? That she just did it away. She was like, I gotta get you your book. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, the one that Gramsci wrote for you. And I was like, what? And then she got it out of the safety deposit box, brought it home, and she was like, here, this is now your most prized possession. That is like a Da Vinci Code level, yeah. like 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 us like uh, screen and mirrors or whatever, smoke and mirrors, right. like keeping it from you until it's like time for you to have it. That's so powerful, man! Wow, yeah, that is just wow. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I need to get like I can't. I need to just take a picture of every page just in case. Yeah, yeah. If I lose it. You can't. You won't. Yeah, but if we there's one for each of us. So yeah, we will have records. Right, so right, 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 right. Anyways, so where are you from? I'm from Mobile, Alabama. That's where I grew up. Awesome. Yeah, I I, uh, was born in Laurel, Mississippi. So I spent some time in Mississippi. I moved around a lot as a kid. I think I counted it up one time and it was like, I think I moved 11 times before we like settled on a house for a long stretch in like the fourth grade. So it was like a bunch of stuff. So it was like I lived in Laurel and then we moved to to Alabama and then had a little stint in um, Peachtree City, Georgia. Okay. Which is right outside of Atlanta. Yeah, so we lived there for a year. But that just like, I think what happened really is that my uh, stepmom got pregnant with my sister and they were like, let's go home. And, and it went, then my dad didn't really want, like the job. He was a car salesman. So he kind of went there for an opportunity and uh, just, you know, didn't work out. So we came back and I pretty much grew up in Mobile. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I liked it there. It's cool. It's, you know, it's fundraising. It was fun for being a kid there, you know? Like, it was right next to the Gulf. It's like 30 or 40 minutes to the beach, and there's plenty of rivers, and so, yeah. Nice. You said you have siblings? Uh, yeah, I'm one of five. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I have an older sister, and she is seven years older than me. And then my younger sister, <clears throat> Taylor, is 10 years younger than me. And then I have t- a twin brother and sister that are... 13 years old, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there was a there was a lot of babies crying throughout the throughout the, <laughs> throughout the day. Like my house is always like we always said like the loudest got to talk, you know. So that was a big <gasps> rule. <laughs> so it was constantly like because you were fighting like the the like you know some game being and gone like some sports game and then like a baby crying and then my sister is not the la- not the quietest person you've ever met. You know, big booming voice. I don't know. So it was it was pretty fun growing up. Nice. Yeah. Rowdy. Rowdy. Just loud. Yeah. Uh, you know, always somebody tr- busting somebody's balls about something and, right. you know, talking smack. And we grew up, my dad is a big cook and my mom is also a big cook. So like whoever we were with, we were, uh, you know, in the kitchen and, uh, I, and I, I love to cook and I didn't realize I love to cook until like, I mean, I always, I, I enjoyed it, I guess, but like <clears throat> the last couple of years, you know, just being on your own, doing your thing and, um, it, I, I really enjoy it. It's a soothing thing, like just you know, cutting the onions. Like all, it's all you have to worry about is like cutting the onions, right? You know what I mean? And getting been doing it. And there's a method to it. There's a music to it. And 
you know. So I got that definitely from my folks and just loud, you know, music. Not say music on all the time, but uh, there was always like television on if they were watching. The, my dad's a big sports guy. I am too, you know, being Bama fans. So, oh, yeah. but I, I stuff admittedly just because with you know shows and stuff and weddings even now it's like I'm missing a lot of the games that I normally wouldn't miss, you know. But things come up, I guess. Yeah. Dang, that's yeah. You're part of the the game. Like you go see the game, watch the game. Oh yeah. Sure you're aware. That was a big thing, you know. I mean, and, and it, they, yeah, it's true. It's like you have to pick a side. Like, are you for Alabama or Auburn? You know, at least it felt that way. I mean, and I went to I went to I went to Alabama, and uh, you know went through the whole the whole game. So I was actually there when Nick Saban got hired. He he was uh, so Shula was the guy before him and. We were losing, and then my sophomore year, they hired Saban, and it was just like this whole big deal, you know. Now it's turned into like this freaking mega. What I mean, it's 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 so crazy to go back and see what it was, you know. And I hate to sound like an old man now, but it's true. It's like the place was small and quaint and cool. I mean, Alabama was cool even then, but now it's just like it's so big. I guess it's any school. Though. I mean, even Belmont in the last right. couple of years is just like exploding, but. Anyway, it was it was fun going there. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, are any of your uh, siblings musical or? Um, no. It's it's funny, man. Like I'm the only musical one in my family outside, really, of my mom. Like I was thinking about this on like because I feel bad. My dad, he's self admittedly, he's like you know he couldn't hold a tune if it had a handle. But like he is, but he's smooth. He's not he's not rhythmic, but he is smooth in certain ways, you know. And there's it's but there are two different skills. That I have learned, but uh, yeah, my um, my mom is, can, is was a singer in church, and she played the bells and piano, and she can play a little guitar too. You know, uh, every every time I come home with my guitar, she'll want to pick it up, and she'll play a G and a C and stuff. So yeah, she was kind of the musical one, but my parents divorced when I was younger, so like it was kind of one of those things where it was, I, it's like I couldn't tell what's coming from because it was losing my dad, you know. And uh, but I think I pick, I think I got. When did I get my first? I think I got my first guitar when I was 10 years old, something like that. So I, so I definitely knew that it was like something I wanted to do. But my mom was probably the one that uh, I got it from, if I had to guess. Definitely not my dad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who inspired you to play the guitar? Like? Well, there was like, when I was in the third grade, I, don't, I remember I was in the back of my, uh, my teacher and had a son that was the same age as me, and we became friends. And so I would like hang out at their house and stuff. And I remember she was uh, humming. I was I was humming something in my ear that was like on the radio that we were in. We were like driving to the store or something, and it was really really low. And she's like, "Can you hear that?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I love this song." And I'm singing along. And I must have been in pitch and stuff. And she was like, "I think you're gonna do something in music. You've got great ear, Kurt." Like that in the third grade. And I was like, "I do," you know. And so I kind of started paying attention. I was like, "Well, maybe I can play guitar," you know. It was like because I wanted. To, but one of my, I think, honestly, like, Garth Brooks, you know, was it like, I remember there was all those songs were so big when I was a kid, so I got a guitar, must have been about the third, like I said, the third grade, but I really just didn't start playing it till fourth or fifth grade, and that was, like, more like Rage Against the Machine, and um, I remember I saw the video for Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, and Chick chicks for free the first time yeah and it's martin offler and he's in that black and white uh video with that glowing red bandana on his head and a glowing red guitar and he's hitting that lid i was like oh my god you know i thought that was cool as shit so 
those kind of guys were the first like inklings of me wanting to play and so i'd pick it up and try to learn some chords and stuff and i remember like you know my, my pinky would like get cut from trying to press on the guitar you know because it was all messed up that's where a lot of people quit like i could hear a lot of people you know with the with the ring fin- doing the three finger kind of press but you gotta keep going man the, it's it helps to have that pinky man i'm telling you yeah but anyway so yeah that was that's that i guess um just playing acoustic guitar and then eventually a couple of years later I asked my dad to get an electric and started like learning all the all the corn and limp biscuit songs and stuff i really it's it's you know i'm almost embarrassed the stuff i listened to when i was like eight you know in the eighth grade or whatever i don't know why i would be but it's just funny to look back i guess it's crazy like i, I <laughs> never really listened to corn at all mm. when i was younger i just saw like the front cover like heard people talk about it yeah. in school well, I was like, oh, that's a crazy band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I listened to it for the first time, like, this past year because that whole uh, Woodstock 99 documentary came out. Oh, yeah, I haven't, so I haven't I seen it. I watched all that, and I started studying Limp Bizkit and Korn and, mm-hmm. like, watching interviews and, like, what what are these people about? Yeah. And when I watched uh, Korn live at uh, Woodstock 99, I kept thinking this is so strange the way they play the guitar it's like mm-hmm. all texture it's very yeah. high pitched yeah it's really it's, I was, it's, thought it was very interesting I was like I haven't heard any other bands like very low like head weld whatever yeah 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 yeah. Like, yeah and there is like that but there's it's so funny because it's, it's just a different variation but that's still like a very rock and roll twangy Lick, yeah, but it's like, just like it's a step down and with keep it going, right? And they just keep playing, and they got a, you know a bunch of fuzz or whatever it is. They just found their own way, yeah. So it's even like through all those weird strands of like rock music, there was like, and they like wouldn't play solos really. No, they yeah, it was just it was like it was almost dance in a way, you know. Yeah. But it was just for like that like groove of the of the mosh or like the headbang, you know. It's just so so funny. I remember I got caught one time. Trying to play like pet head or whatever or monkey like with like <laughs> yeah, down like good. this and my mom walks in and she was like showing off that you know the house or whatever it was like ah nothing to see here they like, walk into my room I'm like going crazy like trying to play and then I you know there was like oh it's embarrassing man there's so many of them old bands that I love but my dad was he he was the one that kind of like showed me all the classic rock stuff you know and then my sister was like a like a jam head so she was always like bringing like widespread panic and stuff into the house and he was showing you know and then we also lived near the beach so you'd have like jimmy buffett playing and stuff you know so it was just a funny weird eclectic thing of music in the house but yeah no no i want to know about you when you were listening to music like what was kind of your you know what was your jam in those days well my parents are pretty are older than most people Oh really? Yeah, like my dad's almost eighty. Really? My mom is seventy. Oh wow! And uh, so when I grew up, I was listening to like Motown. Oh uh, cool. Sixties um, music, like sixties pop, a lot of sixties pop, some eighties. But I didn't really. My parents didn't really. Um, I didn't really get into nineties or eighties or whatever music, till my oldest brother, who's eight years older than me, showed me like. Pearl Jam and like, mm-hmm. like, uh, like Moby and like Moby. Gorillas <sighs> and like, yeah, a lot of DJs, like DJ Shadow. Oh, and yeah. like, and then as I got into middle school, I got really into like, well, I remember in sixth grade, 
I had this digital recorder at the time. It was more advanced because it wasn't a cassette recorder. Mm. And I would uh, I would do little funny things with the <laughs> recording people while they weren't here. Right yeah. There. And listen back and think it was hilarious. <laughs> but, but I remember, like, I think it was the early years of YouTube. But I remember being on YouTube or on the internet and watching this um, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen yeah. video. And I just thought, man, this is sick. Yeah. And I put my digital recorder and recorded it. And and that, at school, I would listen to that all the time. <laughs> that awesome. was really cool. I had a digital recorder in high, in high school with a friend. We he wanted to. I was like, I had started writing songs, you know, already, and he wanted to try. We would like get together. It was like, hey, that needs to sound good. We had, it was like, are you talking about? The, is it the one I'm thinking of from Home Alone, like the big gray one, or no? No, this oh, one okay. was like a small orange one. Oh, okay. So this is like top. This is this is good stuff. More futuristic. <laughs> it didn't have like a tape or anything. Oh, it got was, it. You just plug oh, it okay. into the computer. Got it. And it worked that way. Yeah, and so I would. I remember recording like, yeah, another one bites the dust, and I just like loved that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I loved that. We had a big hundred disc thing going on that had like all types of fun stuff to listen to. Like, I think we had a Motown record here and there, but I don't know. Like growing, up, I feel like it, it really wasn't. I mean, it was. I swear, it was like CCR and Skinner was. I mean, like. You know, Skinner's so underrated as a rock and roll band, man. I mean, maybe it's because they're from Alabama, but I don't know. They they got some great stuff. Yeah, <laughs> they're like Freebird kind of like ruined them in a way. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But now they're ephemeral or whatever. They're immortalized. No, yeah. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I mean, but still, people should people should know right about Skinner. And I was like super into Blink One Eighty Two. Mm-hmm. Very much into Incubus. I didn't really listen to much Incubus. I loved Incubus. I loved Flaming Lips. I liked, <sighs> See, uh, you're so much cooler than me, man. I liked uh, my brother's, yeah, Blink-182, Yellow Card. This was like in middle school. Is that the so much more? It's that... like Ocean Avenue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and That's like, great yeah, Blink-182 was like, I was like, Travis Barker's a badass. I'm oh, yeah, badass. I forget you did his drumming. Yeah, yeah. So he's the one... Well, that band is the reason I started playing drums. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. I was like, God, he's so fast. And you just... And like, just so I was so obsessed with it that I wouldn't even dare practice it. Mm. I was like... Mm. I was like, I that's Travis's area. So I never... Pra- I would practice Led Zeppelin and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember... Man, my dad... My uh, dad's good friend and my girlfriend at the time, it, it, I was uh, dating her, his daughter. He showed me the Led Zeppelin uh, all things remain the same and he had like a great system and shit and now and I must have been I don't know I must have been the ninth or 10th grade yeah the song remains the same song remains yeah. the same yeah sorry and uh it absolutely like blew my mind that you know what I mean know? yeah just that just that it was like oh my god like holy cow because I had heard obviously you know you'd heard songs on the radio and stuff to like experience what they were like in person at the height of their powers like Madison Square Garden yeah just like yeah. Like, Woo! And they have that crazy intro where it's yes. gangsters with wolf face. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, and then, that was, I mean, I remember I watched Mo- that was like the first time I saw Moby Dick. You know, like it's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, so um, you know, I, I'm I love dude. Drummers are the coolest to me. Like one of my favorite musicians and singers is Levon Helm. Oh like, yeah, and I like. like 
Yeah, well, the first time I saw the last waltz, it was like, oh my god! You know, it's like it blew my. F- I was in, I think I was in college. It was just like, you know, I was late to the game, man. But it, it was amazing. It was, it was like, obviously, you know, and that he's one of the people that I really like see as, uh, you know, uh, inspiration in terms of of singing. Like he is in the top five best rock and roll singers. Oh yeah, and and honestly, like and the, drummer and drummer, yeah. And Richard Manuel really is like the other in the top five as well. Well, it's like the way he can do his melodies with the fill of the song mm-hmm. or whatever the drum fill he and like. Mm. No, it's he, yeah. He had and he sounds so and it's so soulful when he hits yeah. notes. It's like somebody said he's the only drummer that can make you cry. I, I think that's the whoever said that was just like in, in standing in the center of the zeitgeist. He's like nailed it. But he. Uh, Anyway, he, he he's one of my favorite drummers of all time, and he was th- he was kind of the reason I wanted like when me and and Alan and Sean first got together and started the Rat Coats, like wanted to go play shows and stuff. It was like, well, who's gonna play drums? So it was like, oh, 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 we'll trade off because Alan could play a little bit, but I and I and I always felt like I could like keep a little bit of a rhythm. And I mean, obviously, like at some point, you just have to say, look, I suck, but I'm gonna try and get better, you know. So I was like, I'll do it. And so I would play songs that he came up with on guitar. I'd play drums and vice versa. You know, we would switch. And that was a, that's a humbling experience playing, playing drums live. It's, it's scary, but it is so rewarding. It's, the, it's, it's such a different experience playing guitar as to playing drums. Like, just, it's just even though you're standing right next to that person, it's just like, it's the same, but it's, it's not the same. It's a different power. Yeah, it's a different, yeah, it's a different power. That's a good way of putting it. I've never thought of that way. Yeah, it's like you could you could uh, I don't know. I, and I, granted, you know, I was always probably going too slow or too fast or speeding up or slowing slowing down or whatever. But some of the, some of the most fun I've had playing music was playing drums. You know, oh. so. But I love Levon, man. He's the best. Man, yeah. I need to watch the last waltz again. Yeah, it's so good. man. There's some there's some performances on there like. I just read his book. I say just last year. I read his book, "This Wheel's on Fire," and the, you know, there's that whole thing with him about the rights to their songs and how do you know about all that? Where like Robbie Robertson, um, he wrote all the songs, so he took all the money, and then Rich, Rich Danko, the bass player, Rick Danko, excuse me, he, uh, I mean, he died of a heart attack in like a home or whatever, couldn't take care of himself, or his wife's in a home, and, and uh, you know, they just. The way they put it in the book is that everybody. So when when Danko died, he was the first one to die. Robbie was going to speak at his funeral, but he didn't. He didn't show up, and they said the reason, you know, at least in the in Levon's book, is that because he knew he was walking around with Rick's money in his pocket, and so there was that whole thing about that because they they always talked about being a band and loving and and, and all that, but then when it came to time to split cash, you know, there was no split for that and they would work on the songs and stuff but then so he's and I, that's I've always kind of taken leave on side but then you know there's been other documentaries or whatever where Robbie talks about it, like you know he wrote all the songs and then as comes like 100% of the publishing and then there's like the 100% of the writing credit deal and all that so I was always kind of in the camp of leave on but anyway it was it was a it's a really good book if you never read it. Wow. Um, but he, he, that's just kind of like the the rough spot over there. The must be, like the business got in the way, you know. Right. But um, it's kind of like Pink Floyd. Yeah. We, oh, well, what do you mean? Or just like you know, 
Roger Waters wrote The Wall. Right. And, like, I think David Gilmore might have been a little bit of that, but, like, during the 90s, they had, like, basically split. Right. And it was, like, David Gilmore directing the Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Waters is, like, he seemed like the super genius, I guess, right, you know? Well, yeah, they're both. Yeah, and they Gilmore... Crash a lot. Yeah, and I guess that's what happens, you know, and it's, like... <laughs> Great things can't last, or whatever. Maybe you know, but something. But well, it's crazy because David Gilmore came later into the band, and he had such a prolific role. Mm-hmm. Well, he well he's and he. That's just more, of a, in my opinion. I don't know how well. Did he he wrote "Shine on Me, Crazy Diamond" and all that? That song's about uh, Sid. That's about Sid, right? But yeah. did he? But did he write it? I'm not sure. I feel like he would have had to know Sid Barrett. Yeah, I don't know if he did. I'm, I, my my history on Pink Floyd isn't good as it should be. But I was just going to say, like, unless he, like, wrote some of those songs, I mean, really what makes him stand out is his guitar playing. Wow. I mean, like, you know, it's he's one of those guys, like, as soon as you hear, you know. go, that's fucking David Gilmore playing. He's got those light strings. 100%. Oh, is that what that is, you think? Oh, I never thought of that. Light I mean, it is that light, yeah. That, it's like it, nine. Mmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's how he bends the strings. So crazily. Interesting. I mean, so that makes sense. And, yeah. Uh, I just always try and like, you know, you know, your strings, my, your fingers need to be stronger, you know. Like I don't go, I try to, I, I mess with elevens sometimes, but I've been landing on tens a lot lately. It's just just for a good balance of like going back in between like thick chords and then also being able to kind of, you know, dive in if you need to. Right. Nice. Strings and sticks. Strings and sticks, man. Yeah. I I would I forget the sticks I would play. It was a certain one. I mean, I'm so, you know, I just go and look for the ones that I think, like, I would play the best in. Like, right. These, look, these would look good in my hand. Right. <laughs> That's about as far as... And then I go from there, like, okay, well, let's go down, you know. You just got to start somewhere, you know? Right. <laughs> but, man, I fucking love the last, the last Waltz. It's the fucking best. Yeah, I love Neil Young. Neil, I think we got it now, Robbie. That's what he said right before he starts it. So I guess it all tuned up. It's all coked out. Mm-hmm. But man, I love that part about Van Morrison where they're like, they had to kick him out on stage. Literally like kick him in the ass on stage. He didn't want to go out. He was like nervous or something apparently. And then he comes out and absolutely crushes Caravan and uh, Tour de Lore or whatever that Irish lullaby thing. I think that's him. I know he does Caravan. It's just like absolutely insane. Um, and uh, Money Waters. Uh, apparently, Levon in his book, he talks about that. Like He was like the only one advocating advocating for Muddy, you know, because I guess people didn't know him or whatever. Mm. But, I mean, that's one of the most powerful performances of, like, you know, true classic bluesman. I mean, it's just like, I don't know, man. That's, that, was a, that was a moment in history that, you know, maybe it'll happen again, but it was, I can't, it was awesome. I don't know what's, who thought of it, but... It was a good idea capturing it. <laughs> right. That one piece of media touched you mm-hmm. like no other. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That for sure is just like... I, I, yeah. And really, like, the sound and just that, just that like, camaraderie of, of and, and the danceability of the music, it, it just sounds like... The band, to me, is like the perfect rock and roll band, you know? Right. Because there's a heaviness to them, but there's also, like, this lightness... And then there's this this sadness, like the night they drove Old Dixie down is a sad song, but it's like uh, it's commemorative of like a, a moment in, of in time or whatever. You know, I mean, it's a powerful fucking song, man. But yeah, they're Canadian, right? And but all of them, 
except yeah. except for Levon. Oh, he's the only Southern guy. Yeah, he's from uh, Turkey, Turkey Scratch, Arkansas. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. he's he's South the only. Southern. Yeah, yeah, but they were obsessed with like South. with yeah, and Sonny Boy Williams and. There's a, I think it's Sunny Boy Williams. I hope I don't, I don't want to get this wrong, but there's apparently this like legendary jam that that the band had with Sunny Boy Williams, and they were just like, you know, you get together with your friends and you're just like having a go, right? And there, and apparently the band was notorious for not jamming. They like we write songs, which I thought was really funny. That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were like, come on, let's jam, and they were like, oh, we don't really want to jam, man. If we want to write some songs, what's that? Yeah, but uh, so apparently they got together and just like this old hotel or something and they set up in this uh, little small spot and just had, had to go and he said that some point sunny some point sunny boy williams had his harmonica in his mouth like he just stuck it in there and was just like blowing on it and like and then just like you know making all these wild noises and pe- people started standing on their heads just being goofy and funny and just and just said it was one of the greatest jams that was ever not recorded wow you know so that's the problem with jams. Yeah, so yeah. They're not recorded. That's the beauty of jams yeah, too. Yeah, and the beauty. <laughs> it's, it's lost in the ether. Yeah, and that's and it's like it exists for that moment. You know, mm-hmm. I I think sometimes that's like this that's like the smart move for music now for musicians is to not release any music and the only way you can hear it is live. You know, <laughs> so then people. So you have to come. Them. Yeah, or it's like it, you know do the thing that they do at, at comedy shows where it's like you know like push the things in the bag it's like the only it, i hate to say it like that but it's like the only way you can experience this is the person being here playing them for you or somebody else learning the song and that way you can have complete control of the market yeah you know i thought that i don't know i mean it sounds crazy but it's like if you could figure out a way to make that popular <laughs> you just gotta lean really hard into live music. yeah you have to lean really hard into the experience the songs have to be good whatever that means but like you know, maybe it has to be, maybe they would take theatrics, maybe it would take it like, would. you know, like the wall style, like the breaking down the whole time and shit. Dude, the wall. Dude, I saw that. I fucking Bridgestone. You saw it at the, oh wow. Back in 2012. <sighs> Build the wall and knock it down. Oh shit. That's, that's one of my favorites. I remember listening to that. That was one of the first records. I listened to that in college and it scared me. I was scared by it. It, it had it, it had a, it's like there's a dark undertone to it, but it's like yeah oh yeah I mean dude the when it, the way it starts yeah it, totally it's but it's like one of the ones that I listen to the most throughout time you know because it just once you start to see I don't know it's like it's brooding it's, it's brooding that's a cool way of saying it yeah. it's very it's like totalitarian too and yes like and it's a it's, themes. it's a warning yeah you know so I I I, I listen to that one I listen to it. Not too, not too long ago. Funny enough, but yeah, like Pink Floyd was like that was a band that I remember. Uh, I watched the Wizard of Oz thing. Oh yeah, when I was, matched up. With yeah, Pink I was again. I was in this, me and my buddy Mike Mike Rim. I was like fifth or sixth grade, and he told me about it. And we went over to his house and watched it. And it was like holy, shit. you know, when it starts out, it's just like, you know. One of the cool, it's it's cool, man. Like I don't know, I yeah. thought it was cool. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I don't think I was able to like get the CD or whatever, and then watch. I think I just watched it on YouTube. Yeah, and when the clocks come in and stuff, it's like it's dude. That's that's wild. That's some wild. I mean, the timing of that, and it's like there's a. T- it's weird because like I'm really into comedy, and I'm actually going to a show tonight. Oh, yeah, and there's 
they're the same in a lot of ways. Like jokes are like three to five minutes. There's a bridge. You have tags or choruses. You have a setup. There's the release. These, there's, a, there's a release. So in the same way that like an album would have a structure and and a movie would have a structure, it, it, it makes sense. You're like, okay, we got 15 seconds to jump into this or whatever. If like, you're taking your time, like we've got 45 seconds before we need to do this. Like the odds of it timing up, I guess there's like, you know, a percentage, but even so, man, like the fact that it lines up like it does is just, wow, you know, pretty crazy. I wonder what they think about them. They've been talking about it before, and they're like, yeah, we, we, uh, we didn't know. You know, they're, they're like, so nonchalant, like, yeah, we, we just made a record, and somebody said it did that. It's like, cool. You know, like, they don't give a shit. I don't yeah, think. probably. They, they probably are sick and tired of getting well, asked about it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know? Bless their hearts, man. Probably don't want to listen to their music. <laughs> yeah, man. Cool. When you were in high school, did mm. you play in bands or anything? Yeah, I, um, I try. I played a lot of sports in high school. Oh, sick! I was a. I played uh, like four or five, four sports. Sick. Where'd you play? Uh, I played football. Oh. I played basketball, baseball, and I ran track. Okay, cool. I only played baseball my senior year just because like my buddies were playing. They're like, "Come on, man! You miss a lot of school and all the you know." We get the dip. Yeah, yeah. We get the dip and act and you know throw up in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, hated that. But it was fun, man. I'm, I'm glad I did it. We had this really cool coach. But anyway, yeah, so I played four sports, and then I was also playing guitar, and I tried to play in um, a jazz... Uh, it was like a jazz band for the school, and I was like, I can't play for the varsity games, but I can play for the JV games. So I try and show up to practice, and like I still had my black Ibanez, you know. Like, I couldn't read music, and I never have been able to read music, but... Uh, he was trying to show me and he's like well this is in C and stuff and it's like at that time I had like no idea you know I can make my way now but I just pretty much just played by just tried to play by ear with stuff and try to pick out things that I thought were cool and anyway so I, I think I tried one like JV game with them and I like brought my amp and it was like what, it was too loud so I turned it down and it was like you know after that I was like I think I'm gonna just practice on my own yeah, but I was playing a lot. Like I was writing, like I said, I was writing songs by the time I was thirteen. So when I was six, I guess I was sixteen. I was older too. I was held back in kindergarten, mm-hmm. so I was like the one of the first kids to drive. Which oh was, yeah, which was nice. I remember I played a song for at a, at a Christmas party with a bunch of people. Uh, so I went to a, I went to a different middle school and then went to a new high school where I didn't know anybody, and. Uh, I became friends, and then it was like that, that Christmas, I guess, um, I went to this big party, and I played a song that I wrote, and my eyes were closed the whole time because I was fucking was terrified. I remember opening my eyes, and everyone was like clapping, and you're like, oh, cool, and I was like, I got this big reaction, I was like, oh, this, that's cool, like, I want to do that, you know? Yeah. So that was about, so that was about as much music as I played. Oh, actually, I take that back. I take that back, shit, I forgot about this. Like, even in my, my senior year, uh, after football games, I went to a Church of Christ school, so it was like a Christian church, Christian school. They would have something called the fifth quarter. And um, my, me and my buddy Donnie, who I told you about earlier, we were like, he wanted to write songs and stuff. We started performing at the fifth quarter. So I would like come from, me and him would come from the games and like, you know, we'd like play some songs and people would come to the, the church auditorium and like have drinks and have some snacks and stuff like that. So I did that. And then... I also wrote a graduation song that I played one time, and um, so so there was a lot. I guess I was playing a lot of music.
years ago in, in high school, I think. Forgot about that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Did you play any bands in college? Yeah, I played in this band called Mother Oak. That was kind of my first band. That was like the big cover band thing that we did. So like that's when I was in college, I would I played at this bar called Rounders. That I did have a little. I I don't even want to call it a high school band because it was really. We just got together and played for one girl's birthday party, and I remember we all wore uh, white t white button downs and uh, ties and jeans. You know, so we had a nice uniform to us, and it was a absolutely enormous stage. And we learned probably like 10 or 11 songs, and I don't even remember what they were. And um, anyway, we performed, and there was probably 12 or 15 people there, and probably like four or five parents and grandparents sitting over in the corner. It was a absolutely huge place. I think it was a church or something like that. And they just kind of let the kids have it for the night, running around. So we were just, I remember, but like that, so I guess there were. A couple of moments where I got to like be on a stage and perform, where I was like, "This is this is fun." I, I thought it was a huge success. I was like, "You know." Um, so that was another band I forgot about. Um, what, were, what were we all called? I don't remember. I don't think we had a, a band name, but I do know like how, my. How old were you? This was I was probably sixteen or seventeen, you know, and I'm uh, had uh, had a uh, explore my whole life and I just got in and we, I was able to carry everything to the thing I thought it was you know I was like oh man we got a you know something big enough to carry to shows now and stuff but anyway that, that kind of fizzled out and uh, that's when me and I think probably right after that me and another friend close friend Donnie started uh, playing songs together and messing around and recording stuff and that's when we got that little Home Alone cam recorder it's like the best place would be like for you know residents or whatever would be like in the closet so it'd be dead so we could like we'd play the, th- the songs in there and stuff we'd be like you know so that so that's where we like we try and like track songs that'd be our tracking studio you know yeah i started in, in college so my, like even like as early as freshman year so like that next year i started playing in a band called mother oak which was kind of my band uh throughout college that we played fraternities we played barbecues you know we play at bars and stuff and we just played a, a ton of covers and that's where i really like got to you know learn a bunch of songs with some friends and i was always playing songs and learning tabs and stuff but when i got to transition and playing with with other people and and playing performing people like the stakes kind of rose you know because i like writing songs but you know performance fun um but uh so we would do that and um we, we were together for a while but then me and the guitar player jack we would also play every wednesday night at this place called rounders and that's kind of like that helped me you know pay my rent and stuff like that so i was doing that in college and then um, would perform by myself here and there uh for certain things and then uh, so yeah so that was that was mainly my music stuff growing in in college and yeah. then um i performed a little bit when i moved back to mobile uh, just on like I think there was it called there was some pizza place that was so good Picklefish and I would play on like Thursday nights you know and he'd give me some money and some free beer and pizza and stuff and so my friends would come and hang out and then I was home for like a year and a half and I was like man and I was like my friend I, I found out about yachting and I was like what is this found out about what yachting yachting yeah this guy was telling me he's like man my girlfriend is a stewardess and she's making all this money and you could be a deckhand and travel the world and all this stuff. He like sold, he was a salesman and he, and he sold chemicals for car washes and he was probably really good at it because he completely sold me 
on this whole experience. And I was just fresh out of, uh, I was working at a car wash at a college, like I was a windshield repair manager. And I was like playing music on Thursdays, you know, and I was still trying to write a little bit, but there was like an eight month period, I didn't pick it up. And so I was like, I guess I was looking for a change. So I was like, I'm gonna go do this deckhand thing. So I like moved to Florida, got my license and everything to do it, got on a boat. And I was there for like four or five months, and I had a little, a friend of mine had sent me a, a, a get to Laley. I, I told him, I was like, man, as soon as I get my first paycheck, I'm gonna, like a big paycheck, I'm gonna buy a get to Laley, because I don't have anything to play down here. And like three days later, this get to Laley shows up at my door. It was from my friend, Andrew. And I was like, shit, so I started playing it, man. And I just, it just reminded me how much I love doing it, and I was like, Moving to Fort Lauderdale, I realized I was like, you could you can jump lanes in life, you know what I mean? Like you could like switch lanes if you want to do it. And I didn't realize it sounds stupid, but it's like if you want to like, you know, just move, jump up and move and go do something, you can. That's a great point. Yeah. It, we're not trees. Yeah, we're not, yeah. Like you can really <laughs> exactly, but sometimes it feels that way. Yeah. You know. Um, so that was kind of a big thing for me, where I was like, oh shit, I was like, I can just like move into this lane if I want to. So I was in that lane for like four or five months. And that get the Laley man, it really is like I was just started playing it again, and I was like, man, I think I'm gonna switch lanes. I want to do this because I've been playing, like I told you, you know, for a while, but I never really like had a go of it. And so I was like, I think I want to move to Nashville, you know. And it really never been there or whatever. And I don't even, I you know, didn't watch the show for sure. I don't even know what it was. I guess it was just it always had that feeling to it that it's like if that's what you wanted to do, like that'd be a good place to start right you know right right so yeah so i was there and i was like all right i guess i'm gonna just i think i'm gonna jump into this lane now and then so that i came home for christmas for a couple of weeks and then packed all my stuff up and then uh i moved january 1st 2013 just drove up on a nice cold day and i had a friend who'd got a spot and that was like nine years ago almost so anyway i don't know how i got started on that whole long story no that's good so you basically brought you to Nashville to play music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I it was always something that like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I always want, loved it, and and made me feel good, and I always wanted to have a, I always wanted to have a go, or like give myself a chance. Like you got to give yourself a chance, right? Yeah. So I just uh, moved here, and as soon as I got here, I met an old friend from Alabama who I said, "What are you doing here?" And he said, "Um." I'm, I just moved here. I want to record and play drums. Funny enough, huh? this is like you know a couple of weeks into. It. I was like, dude, you want to get together? And he's like, yeah, sure. So it was like, you know, jumped in. But I was, I didn't want to. I was too embarrassed to go and play at any place. Like I just felt like I, as soon as I got here, I was like, I need to like sharpen my skills for like a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like the first year, I was just like trying to write and practice and also like make rent and. You know, I remember the first make connections. Yeah, make connections and stuff. And I met a couple of really good people that I'm still friends with to this day. You know, just like waiters, like putting in their time like anybody else. You know, and so uh, I remember the, like one of the first. I think it was like I was three weeks into living here, and I was like waiting for my first paycheck to like pay rent and stuff. And I like parked in the wrong spot. I got towed. You know, it's like such a gut gut punch, like shit like that. So anyway, that was that was fun. The hungry fun times. Years. The hungry, yeah. Something like that. Finding man. your way. Just go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'll I was do anything, anything for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I was trying to write a bunch then, and you know, uh, just make connections, and eventually, I, um, I started a band called Treadwell Ford, and I was in that band for uh, probably four or five years, 
And um, it was like soon after, probably around the time the Radcoats were getting together, uh, it just didn't make sense. Because honestly, I don't know, uh, Dylan Aldridge is, was a guitar player in that band, and he's uh, producing right now, and he is just like kicking so much ass, man. It's really awesome to see him. And uh, Matt's also in the Radcoats with me, and he was in Trouble Ford. Um, anyway, so. That's trampled by Ford? Treadwell. Treadwell. Yeah, Treadwell Ford. That was like a, for me, that was like an idea of like Leonard Skinner or like oh, Mark okay. Twain. You know, like just kind of like a play on words a little bit. Oh, yeah. And it was also, my dad was a car salesman and um, he worked at a place called Treadwell Ford. And I like grew up, I like would, you know, when we first moved to town, like I'd have to stay there after school on certain days or I'd come up on weekends or whatever and I got to hang out with with him and you know it was a cool place that was like my first intro into like real world because car salesmen are like their own breed of people <laughs> you know like god love them I think it's all salesmen but like I just they're just they're just an interesting group you know and it was I learned a lot about you know how to sell yourself oh yeah it was funny because my dad like I said he was uh, in the car business his whole life but like he didn't teach me how to like work on cars but he did what he did teach me was like how to sell cars to people like that you know and he's a great car salesman but he would always say stuff. He's like, you know, they, they just they, they they came here to buy a car. They just have to like you. <laughs> like he's he's oversimplifying it, but it's like, you know, get on their level and be like, you know, jovial with them and take care of them, and they'll come back. Like, let's get you in a nice BMW, <laughs> right? Well, and my last name's Ford, and he sold Fords for a long oh, time. Okay. So he, I think he got a lot of points for that. But he eventually became like a uh, like the new car ma- or manager or whatever, and and got off the floor. But anyway, he's uh. It was fun, man. I'd go back. And, like, even in the summers, I would go and, like, work in the back and, um, like, power wash cars. Like, they'd always have these new cars coming in, and we'd have to clean them and take all the fucking, like, plastic out of them and do all this stuff. And um, so I would work there during the summers and stuff. So it was fun. Wow. Yeah. Treadwell Ford. It's a good place. And then I And it was Ford Auto Collisions. I think it was the name of the place I worked at, too. But anyway. Yeah, you can do a lot of name with the last name Ford. <laughs> amen, amen. There's a bunch of us, too. You can afford it here. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the, the puns just yeah, keep going. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Now, switching lanes here, I'm going to ask you, what did you get, or how do you get inspiration? What inspires you? What inspires me? Oh, wow. Um, Just like puzzles in the in the world I, like I, small puzzles that you see uh just little things that don't make sense or also joy like i just when people are uh what inspires me man i don't know that's a great question i guess it just comes from anywhere i just know that like what i try to do is take my dog for a walk in the morning come home and have some coffee and give myself an hour to sit down and like you know having a blank page is very scary and humbling and just like starting to write it it could be anything like um i feel like eventually like i got to the point where i, I was i was trying to like i feel like i was trying to sound too complicated because when i think about inspiration i think about like writing lyrics and that's in a, or, or like a melody you know and that hour in the morning is like when the sun's shining, it's still, it's like, that's enough to, like, play something. But in terms of, like, writing, like, I feel like I was trying to write too complicated. And I feel like being simple is is also, there's something, I don't know, ancient to it. I don't know if that's a good word, but, like, um, 
so I guess what inspires me is trying to say something that a thousand different people could hear and still get it, get the point. You know what I mean? And I think the only way you can do that is like simplify the words you're saying. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does make sense. It's like what Albert Einstein says. He says, if you can't explain it simply, then you don't know it at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I took a college course on... Your dad was... He was overcomplicated. Yes, he's like, they just need to like you. (laughs) I guess, uh... I took a William Blake class in college that like blew my fucking mind. Like, I hope I can curse on here. I yeah, apologize. Yeah, curse. Um, Say whatever you want. I hope my mom doesn't listen. She'll be mad at my sisters. Sorry, but <laughs> I took a William Blake curse uh, course, and um, there it was like it kind of. Uh, he was kind of this ancient dude, but like he was from the I forget what century he's from. It's like sixteen or seventeen hundred or something like that. But he wrote in these very like I like rhyme. Like in my in words and stuff, and and he wrote in a lot of rhyme. He wrote very simply, but he was talking about like very deep things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he had he had a quote like that. I forget exactly what it was, but he's like, if you can't see eternity in a in a flower or something like that, you know, it's like that's when you have no the kingdom of heaven or something. I forget the the quote, but it's exactly that. It's like there's beauty in knowing something simply, and there's beauty in explaining something simply because it's like it's like a casting a bigger net. And it's really hard to do that. Like, it's hard to build a, like, it's almost like building a, like, an actual structure. You know, like, words are, I'm a big proponent, like, of how powerful words are, you know? Yeah, and like, I love words. Me too. Like, I love them. If you were going to build a big net, it would be really hard logistically to, like, put that big net together, you know? Well, like, it's the same thing with words. It's like, if you're going to build a bigger net, it's really hard to say the right word correctly and the right and all this stuff where people can get it. So it's a very, like, I don't know, there's a part where it's, like, simply is, is silly, you know, or it's like, you know, it's like you can show, you can show off by showing, just, like, using more important words or, like, bigger words, $10 words, you know, right. or... You can cast a big net and say the same thing, and more people. You know what I mean? Like it's right. just I don't know. Like it's him, good to have a depth knowledge of it, but then when explaining it to someone, to yeah. be able to explain it so that they can understand it. Yes, and as a songwriter, it's like you're not playing. You know, I don't. Yeah, you want to try and have a song where like everybody can listen to it and they know what they're trying to. You know, so that's just kind of been my thing. Is like. I like I like kind of um, spitting stuff down on the page, but eventually it's like now it's like all right, harness it. Like, what do you really, you know what I mean? Like filter that out. Like just doing like a uh, stream of consciousness writing, just mm-hmm. whatever word comes to your mind. Yeah, it's like, and then sometimes yeah, that's exactly it. Like um, there be there was a phrase I got uh, in stuck in my head like, who's going to carry the boat? So I just kind of started with that, you know, and then it kind of went to certain places, and then there was another one like. Uh, walking around money you know it's like how nice is it to have walk around money in your pocket you know yeah. um and uh but then you just kind of have a go and then you know you play i always like i always write music and words separately and i always describe it as like i introduce them to each other and it's like see if they want to if they want to dance yeah you know what i mean but if they don't like each other it's like pretty obvious like all right cool cool, cool. you know it's like that's interesting yeah i know some bands they write the music first, then the lyrics come afterwards. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to impose lyrics on mm-hmm. a random song. And I think that's just my special, 
yeah, I just, and then maybe that's just because I like writing, so yeah. I can have, but like, uh, yeah. Like, do, well, if you're writing the song and you're coming up with the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find the flow. Yeah, but, and even with songs that like, um, like I Need Your Love Girl was, I believe, like Alan or Sean came with it. They were like, dun, dun, and he was like, I got this, ah, need. And I could have been, I can't remember, but like, I felt like he had kind of come in with like an idea for the bump need your love girl or something like that like maybe in the first line i was like oh cool 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 and then i went back and was like please give it to me and it's like just kept going um so stuff like that just kind of happened and that's that's the most fun to me like when it's like there's an idea in the room and it's like now we're just keep like i always say this like another way of you know oversimplifying things but most things in life are like just keeping the balloon in the air like you know when there's a balloon that was inflated and it's like on the ground now yeah. and you were like a kid or you want to like keep up with your friend yeah. it's like that's most conversations playing music you know right. and so like with songs like that they came to came together in the moment and i was like he was told me that I'll oh, write it down real quick you know like that to me is the most fun it's like keeping the balloon in the air type of moments the strike of inspiration. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's in the air. Like, yeah. Right this time. Yeah, the whole world stops. It's, yeah, it's like the game stops. Or the game starts. Yeah. Um, Remember this feeling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Okay, cool. All right, what is, uh, what would you say is something you've learned living in Nashville? Why well, do you say something I've learned living in Nashville? Wow. I'll have to think about that for a second. Don't be scared to take risk. And also, like, you don't know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. Excuse me. Yeah, you... For me, like... And, and, and the people you, you, help you surround yourself with is important, you know, because they're... You're like... You're like the five closest people in your life. You, ever, you know, you know. Like I believe that more and more every day. You're the uh, average of the five people. Right, uh, right, exactly. Um, but yeah, don't be. You know, there's opportunities and and there's people out there that want to help. But you just, I think you gotta just put in the work yourself. And eventually, um, if if you're doing the work yourself and and you're taking chances, and it doesn't mean like, you know. Like, leave, quit your job and live on the street, right? It it means like. You know, I didn't play any songs. I didn't play a, live, a show live last week, but I, I play one live this week. And I'm going to do two, and I got two more planned for next month. You know, it's like, keep going. That's kind of the biggest thing I learned. Because eventually, if you go far enough, far enough down the path, you'll see people that are there with you and, and want to do it together. And, um, but yeah, so just, you know, take risk. And, and, and you don't know what you don't know. So that's, uh, ask a lot of questions. That's something you learned. Yeah. I think so. It's tough because I mean I've learned a lot living here though. I mean shit, I've been here so long now, but like, work hard and be nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I uh, that's probably but that who knows. Uh -huh. You notice people are a lot nicer here. Yeah, yeah, and I'm from the south, so maybe so yeah, it's more normal. Yeah. Now, where are you from? I forget. I'm from Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Okay, cool. Look at Lookout Mountain. Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Chattanooga. Oh, Chattanooga. Okay, basically. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so you know, like, yeah. there's just a niceness yeah, yeah. there, you know? Even in, in, in big cities, it's, like, funny to me. Like, I feel like nobody looks you in, in the eye. Not because they're not, it's just, like, they're just busy, right. you know? You're just one person out of, like, millions. Exactly, exactly. So that's, but we're getting there quick. It's funny, when I first moved here, it was like, where are you from? I just moved here. They go, oh, I'm from uh, Mississippi, or I'm from uh, Oklahoma, or Michigan, and all that. I was like, okay, cool. Now when you meet people and they move here, they're from Chicago, California, like, you know, 
Texas or uh, say New York. I haven't seen a lot. Of, I think a lot of people move to Texas still, yeah. actually. So it's just it's interesting how it's it's just bec- pot here. it's becoming a bigger city for sure. You know, a lot more culture. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more, and um, it's I mean it's as different as it looks now from when I moved here. It's gonna look. I mean, it's gonna get. It's just gonna get bigger. You know, and there's gonna be so much more opportunity. Hopefully, and definitely um, bigger scenes, more subsidiaries. Absolutely, genre, exactly, exactly. Which will be awesome. More pockets of the community. <laughs> Yes, it, I'm. I'm interested to kind of. It seems just like very fertile soil in Nashville right now. Yeah, things are going to be blooming left and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I'm really happy with you know. It was you know, COVID was obviously scary for everybody, but I'm really happy with the scene, man. And I think yeah. this whole summer and this whole fall has been just a bottleneck experience, just because everybody was just ready to go to a show and see a show and play a show and. And half show, and so you just had just so much going on. I mean, it was. I feel like it was. I don't know for you, but yeah, for me, it was, it was like an, it was a great time. Like it was what a busy summer. What what, like, what a busy fall. Finally, celebration. Yeah, it was. It was joyous. It was like yeah. a cel- It was like a celebration of like we've like we're not going anywhere. Like it's still here, you know. And and there were some great shows I saw, man. There really were. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was great, man. And um, the fall fell into the same category, and winter's probably going to be the same too. You know. Definitely. So, but yeah. Okay, cool. Kind of the same question, but now addressed to someone else. What is some advice you would give to someone who's going to move here and pursue art? It was funny. I've heard something recently on something else where it was like, what advice would you give? And he was like, don't do it. And it's like in a loving way, but it's like, if you don't really want to do it, you know what I mean? But I, but I don't know if I necessarily believe in that. The advice I'd give is be nice and ask questions. And that probably gets you the furthest. What kind of questions? Well, that depends on the situation. But just, like, be open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. And be, yeah, and ask be questions. Be helpful. Yeah, be helpful. Yeah, just show Probably. up. And show up. Yeah. And just have, you know, don't be, don't be... I said it already, but don't be scared to take risk. You know, go to, if if you're like, I don't know, well, there's a show, and I kind of want to sign up for it, like that kind of risk, like sign up for it. Definitely. If even if it's not good for for your whatever, like it'll be good for you. It'll be good for your your spirit. You know, it's like win those little battles. Yeah. That'd probably be the yeah. Maybe that's the best win way to say. Win the little battles. Yeah. It's all about the small things. If you do a lot of small things, well. Absolutely. Small small big gifts. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that. That'd be it. Just take small steps. I was, yeah, that's exactly it. Shit, I probably would have. T- I should have taken that advice. Like, <laughs> take small steps. Yeah, right. I was like, yeah. No, I'm kidding. That, I mean, I'm like, man, I'm, if I'd have done that the day one, that'd be nice, you know. Right. But there's also a lot of sleeping in there in, yeah. as well. <laughs> well, we're just gonna pro- hopefully a lot of day ones that will listen to this and be like, oh, amen. Hopefully, take that. Advice. Take that step, man. Whatever it is, just just go ahead and do it. And just uh, you know, ten minutes of fear is way better than a lifetime of regret. And you get a story out of it. If yeah. At worst case, you know, <laughs> or you know, or best case, we'll see. But that, that I guess that's what I'd say. I don't know. I'm not. I feel like I'm not one to to give advice, but I'm still taking a lot. Uh, I'd say you're one to give advice. Well, 
That's that's very nice of you to say. You've been here longer than I have. That is true. Yeah, I have been here a long time, man. Almost 10 years. Yeah. I'm getting close, though. So you've seen some things, done some things, learned some things. I would say so, man. Talked to some people. Yeah, there's been a lot of cool conversations. I remember I had a, a conversation with this guy. I was like, first week in town, and I walk into like winners and losers. And I'm trying to get a job bartending. And, um, cause I was just dead. I was like, I, I got a, I wanted to get, I guess I got a cab. I don't remember. I didn't have a car. I must have borrowed Karini's car. No, I had my car. Yeah. And I just would park certain places and I would just like walk down the street, like into each place, like looking for applications or whatever and, or, or restaurants. And anyway, I went to Winners and Losers and I knew the bartender. I bartended uh, in college as well, like my senior year. And uh, I knew her, and we gave each other a hug, and I was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm moving to town, I'm like, gonna, you know, play some songs and stuff, hopefully, you know, I didn't know what I want to do, and this guy was like, you play songs? And he worked for somebody, and I said, yeah, 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 and we got to talk, and he's like, cool, 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 and he, and he gave me this kind of rundown on how the music industry goes in his world, you know, I'm like, okay, cool, and he's like, I'll tell you what, he's like, there's a, there's a songwriter, if you want to hang out with him and ask him some questions, he's like, why don't you show up, like, uh, I forget what it was, like, next the next night or, or Friday night or whatever, and I'm like, oh, man, I was like, call my dad, I'm like, man, I just moved to town, I met this guy, it's great, and um, I show up to the same bar, and he's got a younger songwriter with him and, this, and an older songwriter who's, like, accomplished, I guess, and he must have been a manager or whatever, so we're chatting and stuff, and um, I asked him this question, and he was like, I go, uh, what's your favorite song, man? And he had such a great response. He said, the next song. That's my favorite song. I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. You know, and I was like thinking all this stuff. But this guy, so the manager, he's telling all these stories and stuff. And he was kind of a shorter guy. And um, he was making jokes on himself about being short. You know, he like made like two or three. And um, I was like, okay, you know. And so we had some drinks and stuff. And I, he said something and I made a joke. I was like, oh, it's just, you know you too short for her or something like that because I thought it was okay because he was doing and anyway he didn't like that and needless to say uh, I never met with those those guys again so I think I upset him <laughs> I think I caught him through and got mad you were just trying to belong I was just trying to be nice well I was trying to be funny yeah, and that's yeah, what it was so I feel bad I still feel bad about it but he said all these jokes before but I'm like maybe he'll be okay he'll think it's funny but no. I don't think he thought it was funny speaking of jokes who were some of your favorite comedians <laughs> Favorite comedians, I think Bill Burr is hilarious. I love Tim Dillon. I mean, Chappelle's obviously probably the the he's very hot to the touch right now with all the political stuff. But I mean, in my eyes, like when that when the closer came out, it's kind of like when Eddie Murphy's Raw came out. Like it was like intentionally being touchy. I think they're great. It's a really right uh, kind of ripe for like really good comedians. There's there's so many. Louis C.K., you know, he's he's hilarious. I'm trying to think of other ones. There's so many, man. Ari Shafir is amazing. Um, I'd say Joe Rogan, but I think he's better at, like, listen, I think he's better at the podcast right. world, you know? Yeah. I mean, his stuff is good and it's interesting. He is funny in certain situations. Yeah. On Fear Factor, he's pretty funny. Right, right. Good host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't mean any disrespect, but yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. he, like, and to me, Tom Segura is hilarious. Um, Do you like uh, Bill Hicks? I love Bill Hicks. Dude, Bill Hicks is my, one of my favorites. He's the guy, I, I remember watching that documentary with him. Sane Man. Sane Man was like, what the fuck? Yeah, this dude, is incredible. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, because he would—he was willing to just like punch buttons that were not allowed to be punched. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And like, he would say stuff that would really 
Creek. I don't know. It was it was he's he's great. I actually have one of his books with all of his like really? comedy in it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like all of this all the stuff. I mean it doesn't read as funny because it's like has to do with the timing and stuff. Right. But it's like all of his ideas and yeah, that that that, that documentary was amazing. When did you like when did you see it for the first time? Do you remember? Uh, when I first moved to Nashville. First moved to Nashville. And then too, well, I'm a big Tool fan, so. Oh, cool. I was really into Anima, their album. Mm-hmm. That album is dedicated to Bill Hicks. Is it really? So, yeah, they're they're one of the like first bands that had a comedian open up for them. So Bill Hicks would open for Tool sometimes. Holy shit! And they were or Maynard was really into Bill Hicks. I did not. And know. I was like, who's Bill Hicks? So then I went down this whole rabbit hole, watching all the stand-ups, yeah, listening to all of his albums. He's like, you saw her. He had a gun. <laughs> he had a gun. Yeah, he's like, don't shoot me, Mister. Pick it up. Pick it up. Yeah. Pick up the gun. Pick it up. That's dude. He. Oh, that's dude. the best impersonation of that guy. Oh, Pick up the gun. He's like, step on the fucking gas. <laughs> you're in a car, or you're in a car. They're on foot. I think I see a way out of this. <laughs> oh, here's some great stuff. He's like, uh, FC. Th- this one uh, makes their guts blow inside out and their eyeballs pop out. He's like, let's see what this one does. He presses the button. Yeah, he goes, it's like a delay. He goes. All right, cool. Let's see what this one does next. Yeah, it's like, all right, Tommy, pull up M seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Bill Hicks was great, but he 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 put his finger on this idea that it's like there are, you know, there's people that are like, this is going on. Yeah, you know. Well, it's 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 like, man, he lives a pretty cynical, pessimistic life, but I get to laugh at it. Right, so. right. And he and didn't he knows that. Yeah, and he, he didn't drink, right? No, he didn't. Oh, he, I'm sorry. He, he, he before he, he didn't drink before he, he quit did drink. mushrooms, right? I can't remember. The first thing he ever did was eat, like, a bunch of mushrooms with his friends, and he was like, like, in this mission to go, like, you know, tell the world funny stories, and I forget exactly what it was. But yeah, he did drink, you're right. He drank a lot. A lot. He was a big He was like, I'd get so drunk when the cops pulled me over, I'd think I was at the next nightclub dancing to their lights. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool, man. Yeah, Yeah, so anyways, that album, Anima, was... Has a lot of. Have you ever heard Arizona Bay, the album? Arizona Bay? Uh uh. It's like a whole stand up spiel. Anyways, part of that is in Tool's album Anima. And at the very end of the album, Third Eye, there's that whole part with Bill Hicks saying, like, if you think drugs are bad, do me a favor. Go into your. Throw all your tapes, all your records, and right. burn them. Yeah, right, right. In, that, I remember that one. That's in that song. Okay, yeah, yeah. And anyways, that my obsession with that band led me to Bill Hicks, and then I just yeah studied it all. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, he he's definitely on that level of it's very of dark, but it's like it's liberating because it's like thank God someone can say this. Yeah, and I think that's actually where Jogan, Jogan, Joe Rogan, <laughs> Joe Jogan. Joe Rogan shines is in his in his comedy is like he'll say stuff that kind of catches you off beat. You're like, yeah, we live, you know, he he likes to talk about it in big ways. Like we live on a planet, swimming around in a sun in a universe. It's like he's trying to tell you things about the world that are real, but like nobody's really doing it in a uh, in a funny way or trying. Right. You know, he's taking he's taking risks. Like you know, one of his spiels I love so much. He's, he's like Joe Rogan's like. One of his spiels is like, we live in California. We don't have a water problem. We have a salt problem. <laughs> He's like, if we could just filter all the water exactly. from the ocean. Easy. 
Easy and I was peasy. like, man, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, it's true. It's yeah, it's like it's just putting putting ideas in you, and that's what, dude. And that going back, like that's what makes words powerful. Yeah. Like the framing on people's heads. Like you, like, like it's not necessarily you have a. Uh, if there's like a like maybe there's like a I hate to use it this way but like a uh, a cage inside your mind about one particular issue and then all you have to do is put the correct framing on it and it frees that you know or it opens it up in a way that's interesting you're like oh whoa you know and that's what the power of words is is like if you can articulate a certain idea to somebody and all you have to do is and that's why I love analogies too it's like if you can compare something to the other and give them that, you know, it's like, then it's like, and I feel like that's happened to me before. Like that, you know, when that happens to me, I'm like, Oh shit. It's like the best feeling. You know, Oh, I didn't know that. The neural connection. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, I know Kung Fu, you know, from the matrix. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It got downloaded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so uh, like that to me is like, Intelligence, like yeah. you know, learn, like being able to learn, convey a message, convey a message, and then if you want to get into it, then it has to go into the details. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Would you like to add anything else before I ask you the last question? Really, I guess I want to say thanks for doing this. This is really fun, and I'm really, and I think it's really cool because, like, you know, I don't know what, what like. I don't, I don't necessarily know you, but like for whatever this is, this is a risk you're taking to do something, you know, <laughs> and like, this is really cool. And like, you sh- it's, it's not everybody's doing something like this. And it's fun to me. This is something I talk about with my friends and stuff. Like it's fun to, to talk in general. And that's the power of like, what if, cause you're like, what if certain people need to hear certain things and you can't hear it from whatever you're listening to, like the, po- the, the, the podcast realm and, the, and, and all that, it gives people opportunity to learn the like minutia of certain things, you know, at least right. I, it, it's giving me that opportunity. Exactly. If you want to, you know, learn something specific or whatever. So you're giving people that stream and that's really cool. Yeah. And cool. Um, that, I guess that's all I want to say is I appreciate you having me on this and thank you everybody who will eventually listen and I hope that you have a good day and uh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, dude, it's quite the pleasure to talk to you. I mean, Thanks, you're a wealth of knowledge, and you're very chill and interesting to be with. So, it's as much a pleasure for me. Ah, oh, shut know. up. Thank you very much. Bro. And kind of like the wise words you're sharing, I can't wait to hear other people's thoughts. On oh, what well. you have to say? Oh man, be nice. Gonna keep going. Be nice, everyone. <laughs> I love you. All right. So here we go. What is something absurd you like or do? What is something absurd that you like or do? Yeah. I should have said love. What is something you like absurd of love to do? Or you. Something, something, what is something absurd that I like love. to do? Yeah. What do I like to do? I love trinkets on like my desk or like little things, like uh, little notes. Like that'll have like somebody's information on it that they give me for something. It's like I have no use for it anymore. But I hold on to those pins, Lego guys. What else do I have? I have this like green, it looks like a, it's, it's from New Zealand. There's like this green stone thing that people have in New Zealand. I'm going to do a terrible job describing it. But it's like this famous stone that you can only get in a certain area. It's like glowing green and stuff. And it's really neat. And it's like somebody gave it to me. And I just like, you know, got to hold on to that, obviously. But I have like little bowls in my in my desk and room and stuff with like filled with like you know notes and things so like there's like it's weird like i guess i hold a little bit of a memento and small things like in that you know or a chip i remember i have this dollar bill i i uh, 
when I stopped working at the bar in Tuscaloosa, when I moved to home to Mobile, on the last night, the girl who I met at Losers, she wrote a, on the back of a dollar bill in orange Sharpie, she wrote, I love you, life is, life is good, life is great, with an exclamation, or we love you, life is great, or something like that, or we'll miss you, that's what it said, sorry, we'll miss you, life is great. And it was like, obviously, you're not going to throw that at what it's like. Things like that, just like, you know, it's the nicest thing. And like, even if it's something as small as like, somebody's like, you got to listen to this band. You got to listen to this song, you know? And you're like, you put that. And it's like, so it's hard for me to get a little things like that sometimes. So that's probably some weird, absurd thing that I, oh, it's, uh, that uh, I do. It's touching. It's empathetic. It's, yeah. I don't um, know. It's, it shows that you, that things can I'm a, touch you. I'm a softy, man. I'll, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. You know, stuff like that, man. Like, uh, it's, it, I think, like, things like that are nice. I, I have this heart. I have this saying, like, people being people. Like, when people, like, are people and they're like, oh, I'll give you this. And I don't know what that means, but it's just like, you know, stuff like that. I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, mementos. Yeah. Very special. Yeah, but it also may, it's also calls for making a mess. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, like, you gotta guard your heart sometimes. You gotta marry Kondo that shit and be like, Thank you for your service and throw it away. Right. <laughs> yeah, some are like, yeah, this isn't legitimate. Right. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. That, that song wasn't good. No. All right, Stu. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me, and uh, yeah, appreciate you, man. Yeah, dude, you too.